Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. I took a picture of this one slide because that song, it's a wonderful song that you guys sang, Speak All Lord. I can't sing it because I get too emotional. And one of the slides says, Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Amen. Welcome to the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church, this beautiful, crisp, September morning, Sabbath morning here in Louisville, East Louisville, Kentucky. I'm excited to be here with you and uh, excited for what the Lord has called us to do these days. If it wasn't for the Lord and if it wasn't for my cousin, I would have not been able or inspired to preach this series. And it literally transformed my life, our life as a family, and now it's spilled on many, many, many people's lives. And I'm so grateful about that. I am. I am. Uh, and, and you know, if you think that this is just for the pastor, or this is just for older people, or did No. This is for everyone. Everyone can benefit from the Holy Spirit in our life. So Lord, we pray, Lord, now that you speak to us. Till your church, God's people, are built to receive your spirit and to glorify your name, your glory to fill the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back to the Holy Spirit series of sermons here at Milltown Seventh Adventist Church. And to the last sermon on this mini-series that I, that I actually uh, abbreviated, uh, Praying in the Spirit. We, we studied uh, the Spirit-filled life since uh, early July. And uh, I wanted to, to ask you, what did, do you remember, what did we learn before entering this mini-series. Actually, if you have a chance to ever go back and watch our videos, I know some of us are so busy we can't, but those of us who can, you can go to our YouTube channel and my sermon on July 29 reviews pretty much the series. But I'm going to do it in one slide for you this morning here. And this is what we learned before we entered this series, because it, it, makes, it makes a difference if we get it. If you daily ask and receive the Holy Spirit, your life will produce the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When your life produces the fruit of the Spirit, your life glorifies God, glorifies your Father in heaven, and attracts other people to Him. 
You will know Jesus at a deeper, more intimate level. And in the end, when he comes back, Jesus will know you. And you will live with him for eternity. Amen. That's all that there is. It's just as plain and simple as that. Can you see the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life? One area that will be revolutionized as we receive the Holy Spirit is our prayer life. And that's why I entitled this mini-series, Praying in the Spirit. Because there is a difference between praying for the sake of prayer requests and praying moved by the Spirit. Let me ask you this question. Would you, why, why, why would you even talk on the phone, or would I even talk on the phone, if there's no other person on the other line, on the other end of the line, right? I mean, no one in their right mind would do so, unless you're pretending, right? We do that. We play with our kids, with your infant, and you pretend. But otherwise, you would not do it, right? Same principle applies to our prayer life. If we pray, we pray because we believe God listens and answers our prayers, right? Here's the problem with us Christians. We all claim to be Christians. Most Christians believe prayer is important. Many, however, do not understand why prayer is necessary. Many people question and say, if God is sovereign and able, He is able to carry out His will, why do we need to pray for Him to do what He already wants and plans to do anyway? And the idea is popular that prayer is a privilege, but not really a necessity for God to accomplish His will on earth. The truth is, my friends, that it is necessary for God's people to pray. Why then would Jesus tell us to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? The truth is, if believers do not pray, God's desire will not be achieved in this earth. Let me present you with this thought. And I did it, I think, last Sabbath or the Sabbath before. In the Old Testament, God says through the prophet Isaiah that my house shall be called a house of prayer in Isaiah 56, 7. See, in the Old Testament times, the house of God was a temple. It was the tabernacle and then the temple. In the New Testament days, in our times, past Jesus to our times, the temple or the building of God is God's people. Remember, we studied that in June. The church, God's people, the building of God or the temple of God. Apostle Paul declares that we are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Think with me for a moment. If God calls his house a house of prayer, and we are his house, this is what God is saying to you and me today. 
my people shall be called a people of prayer. The question is, are you, am I, a house of prayer? We can be admonished over and over again to become more powerful. We can promise God and ourselves time and again that we will make changes in our life in order to become more prayerful. We can exert every ounce of self-will, of willpower to make this happen. Yet, if we are not experiencing Jesus, like we talked earlier in this series, if we don't experience Jesus living in us through the Holy Spirit, all such promises will fail to produce the desired results. Ellen White writes this, Nothing but the baptism of the Holy Spirit can bring up the church to its right position and prepare the people of God for the fast approaching conflict. We pray in the Spirit when our prayers are prompted by the Holy Spirit. We are to be directed by the Spirit as to when to pray and what to pray. The Holy Spirit is to guide us in every aspect of our prayer life. When we are praying in the Spirit, our prayers will be empowered by the Spirit. And the only way we can pray in the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. And I know I said it, and I will keep saying this because it's very important that we as Christians, we as God's people, are filled with his period. Uh, Paul is admonishing us to be filled with the Spirit which is in opposition with being filled with wine. Just as much too much wine will affect every part of our bodies and our minds, so also the Spirit is to affect us completely, even to the point of directing our prayers. For this reason, in order for us to pray consistently in the Spirit, we must continually be filled with the Spirit. He will guide us and direct us. Let me tell you something that happened to me Monday night. As I take this chaplaincy training, we have to do some on-call rounds. And uh, I was on call Monday night for suburban, Audubon, and Brownsboro. Uh, and you, when you, when your uh, pager uh, beeps and you get uh, a multiple calls, what you do, you kind of call or sort them out. If that's not possible, you just go in the chronological order, in the sequence they, you receive the pages. And uh, I got all of a sudden three calls, or three or four. And I looked at it, I called the first one, I called the second, I called the third. And I said, Lord, tell me, where do I need to go? Where do I need to go? So this is, in this place, a miracle happened. I went there, and this is not even the hospital. They should not even call the chaplains, but this man was very discouraged. And uh, his wife was in visit with in a doctor's visit, uh, she suffers from what we can call uh, terminal, but it could, be, it could be something that can transform her life. 
So the problem was not her, it was her, the husband. And I, I went there, and in about an hour and 15 minutes, he went from disappointment and discouragement to being the happiest man on earth. And I don't, I don't say this because it's Pastor Marius. I say it because she came out of the office, of the doctor's office, and we had another 15, 20 minutes of conversation, and then we prayed. And then he says, what church do you go to? I'm going to Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. We want to come there Saturday. I called him back Wednesday, and he was on. The family was on to be here today. Called him last night, and there was no answer. I said, man, wow, what's going on? And then, and then I called him this morning, no answer. So I called him right before the service. I said, guess what happened? Remember, we had, we had an accident. They had a side swipe accident uh, early this week. So the car is in the shop. So the insurance got them to get a rental. They got ready for church this morning. But they had problem with the rental car. The spirit is working. And the other one is working as well. He said, Marius will be there next Saturday. Last week we looked at praying in the Spirit, intercessory prayer, persevering prayer, united in prayer. <clears throat> what is intercessory prayer? Praying for someone else, right? Praying not for yourself, praying not for your own needs, but rather praying for someone else and their needs. Now, what is spirit-led intercessory prayer? Well, this is what it means. It means you surrender and empty yourself before God. Ask God to empty you of your own sin and let go of what could stand in the way, what could be an obstacle of communication between God. And after you are clean... You ask God to fill you with His Spirit. And as you are filled with this Spirit, then you are guided by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, brings to your attention, people you ought to pray for. That's what praying in the Spirit intercessory prayer means. The first time <clears throat> Pam and I embarked on this Holy Spirit life journey, I had two of our own people on our list. Guess what? The Holy Spirit worked in their life and their attitude to Christian life has changed. And it's wonderful that we see the results and they don't even know we pray for them. Two weeks ago, when I engaged our pastors from Kentucky and Tennessee on the same journey, by the way, last Thursday we had 10, 10 people joined on the teleconference. Praise the Lord. The Spirit prompted me to add four more people of our own on the list. 
I'm praying for them daily with my prayer partner. One other aspect of praying in the Spirit is united in prayer. I used to believe that prayer say, uh, uh, that united prayer referred to two or more Christians coming together to pray, right? That's what, that's what I thought. And during that prayer session, each one would pray for whatever they needed, whatever came to their mind. Well, that's not what the Bible definition is about uniting together for prayer. United prayer happens where two or more Christians pray for the same thing. They are united in desire, purpose, and request. Of the early church, the Bible tells us in Acts 1.14, Church of God right before Pentecost, they all joined together constantly in prayer. They prayed together with one desire and one request, and that was to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, how about persevering prayer? Persevering prayer means you keep on praying until you receive the answer. Until you receive the answer. And I'm going to illustrate this first with a fascinating picture from, from uh, the book of Revelation. And then I'm going to use a visual illustration. The book of Revelation portrays a, a wonderful picture of, of golden bowls being filled with the prayers of the saints. In, in Revelation 5a, the 24 elders are literally holding bowls of incense which John the Revelator says they are the prayers of God's people. Think with me for a moment. The 24 elders are holding these balls of prayers in their hands, which are the full of the prayers of God's people. And later, we see in Revelation 8, 3 to 5, that God is acting in answer to those prayers. So, it appears, it appears that at times prayers need to accumulate to a certain level before God answers. In Manuscript Releases, volume 21, page 155, Ellen White writes this. The revenue of the glory has been accumulated for the closing work of the third angel's message. Of the prayers that have been ascending for the fulfillment of the promise, and the promise was the descent of the Holy Spirit, not one prayer has been lost. Oops. I missed the slide. Yeah, of the prayers that have been ascending for the fulfillment of the promise, the descent of the Holy Spirit, not one prayer has been lost. Each prayer has been what? Accumulating ready to overflow and pour forth a healing flood of heavenly influence. Wow! Notice that she mentioned that the prayers have been accumulating and she called these prayers the revenue of glory. The question today for you and me is how much revenue have we accumulated in heaven for the things that we want healing from. I have here, it's not a bowl, it's a pitcher. And I got here 
prayers. These are prayers that we'll fill here to see how it accumulates, right? So if I start, I invite Pam to come and help me out with this. So if I start praying the same prayer, it will take me a while, right, to fill that bowl. And I keep praying, and I keep praying. I hope you all can see it. But if I have someone else who prays for me the same prayer, what do you think will happen? It will fill up much quicker, right? Wow, look at that, look at that, look at that. And it overflows. And the answer of prayer comes from God. I think the point is clear here that the more of us pray for the same prayer with the same desire, same request, same purpose, the quicker we will be receiving our prayer answer. The quicker we'll receive that prayer answer. We want healing to take place in our lives, in our church and in our community. She says, each persevering intercessory prayer has been accumulating, ready to overflow and pour forth a healing flood. I say, Lord, please let me, let us keep praying for the healing needed these days. But now as we study today the praying in the Spirit the unhindered prayer, we realize that there are times that God does not answer our prayers, or at least not in our timing, right? Question is, why? There are reasons why God delays to answer our prayers, and there are things that hinder our prayers. Let's look at some reasons why God delays to answer our prayers. Why? Number one, Satan will do everything in his power to keep God from answering our prayers. If you remember the story of Daniel 9 and 10, Daniel took it seriously to fast and pray, yet it seemed that the Lord does not hear. It took three weeks before Michael intervened and helped to assist Gabriel in the conflict with Satan. Satan does not want us to pray. Number two, there are changes need to take place in us. So God waits until these changes take place before answering. And we'll go to that part later when we talk about what hinders our prayers. What, uh, another reason for delayed answer to our prayers, it gives us the opportunity to develop enduring faith, strong faith. James, in chapter 1, verse two, verses 2 to 4, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature 
and complete, not lacking anything. Persevering builds our faith. Answers are also delayed so we can learn something about God. Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary were disappointed that Jesus didn't show up as they would have liked him to do before Lazarus died. But through the process, they learned that Jesus is able to raise Lazarus from the dead. My friends, any time God delays to answer our prayers, it is because we have something to learn about Him. Think about it. The following reasons for unanswered prayers, I call them hindrances to prayer. Pastor Dennis Smith in his book, Spirit, Baptism, and Prayer, mentioned seven hindrances to prayer. That's why I called this sermon today the unhindered prayer. Praying in the Spirit, the unhindered prayer. We're going to look at what hinders what these hindrances to our prayers are, and then we're going to look at what makes our prayers unhindered. We know that the disciples, the early church, who received the Holy Spirit in a mighty way at the Pentecost, they did a searching inventory of themselves during those 10 days before Pentecost. So number one hindrance is known sin. The funny thing about us human beings is this. If we really stop and reflect to our life, we can pinpoint our own sins. And this is what Isaiah wrote about this hindrance to our prayers. Behold, the, hands of, uh, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Does God listen to our prayers? He wants to. He wants to. But we use our sins as earplugs for his ears. Now, if you say anything now, I can hear you. Can you believe that? I think so, right? Say anything. Say, Pastor Marius, what are you preaching? <laughs> say it again. Say it again. I couldn't hear you. Why? Well, I go to, not during COVID, but before COVID, I used to go to conferences, retreats, and so on. And um, now I take my earplugs with me because I learned the hard way. I remember the first time I went to one first night I couldn't sleep because I was just listening to how other people are sleeping. You get the point. <laughs> the next day I woke up and went straight to Walmart, got myself some earplugs, and the next night I slept 
just fine. Why? Sounds were still there. But I used the earplugs to block them. My friends, God is willing to hear our prayers. But our sins act as earplugs to God's ears. Isaiah says, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. My friend, if you're here or if you're watching online, unconfessed, cherished sin will come between you and God answering your prayers. Psalm 66. Yeah, those are the earplugs. Uh, Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Please note the word I highlighted with yellow, regard. This is not speaking of struggles with sin. It is referring to sin that we know is it in our lives and we choose to continue in it. Such sin is called cherished sin. If we find ourselves in that situation, we need to ask God to remove the desire for that sin from our hearts. Because we don't, we don't even have the ability to change our desire about sin. Only God can do that. Only God can give both repentance and forgiveness when we ask Him like David did. And there are times, there are times when we are not even aware of deep hidden sin that have become so much part of our lives, so much that we're not even recognizing them as sins. That's why King David prayed Psalm 139, verses 23, 24. King David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And then what? And then lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes we don't even know our own sins. Because become, they become so familiar with us. But David says, search me, O God. Try me. See if there is anything in me. Show me the way. And then lead me out of it. Lead me out of it. When we pray that prayer with sincere desire to renounce all sin, then we must wait for the Lord to reveal anything that our lives that needs correcting. The other hindrance to our prayer is selfish motives. Many times our prayers are motivated by selfish purposes. We don't even know, but we pray for, for us. We, we live in a me, me, me society. True prayer is always aimed at glorifying God. Whenever selfish motives are the basis of our prayers, we will not receive an answer. James writes, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What are our motives when we pray? 
Idols of the heart are another hindrance to our prayers. An idol is anything we put before God. They can come in many shapes and forms, including money, time, appetite, status, etc. This is what God spoke to Ezekiel about the people of Israel who became so idolized. He says this, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? This is God speaking. As Christians, followers of Jesus, we are canceled not to put anything above God in our life. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Nothing before God. Jesus said this, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. Nothing before God. We ought to love our families and our children. Yet Jesus says that we must not allow our love for them to supersede our love and obedience for God. Wow. Lack of generosity, another hindrance to our prayers. See, we, we, we cannot be selfish and expect an unselfish, self-sacrificing God to answer our prayers, can we? Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be Put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you unforgiving spirit what do you think about this one could this be a hindrance to our prayer let's ask Jesus again and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgiving him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow. Forgiveness, my friends, is at the heart of Christianity. Here's what Pastor Dennis Smith writes about unforgiving spirit. An unforgiving person is not a Christian no matter what their profession or what other areas of their lives they seek to obey God. An angry, unforgiving attitude will keep us from entering heaven, not to mention hinder our prayers. And it happens at home too. Did you know that? One of the seven hindrances is marital conflict. Peter, in his first letter or epistle that he sent to the Christians, he's taking on some of these important social issues, including what Christians need to correct at home. 
And in chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, he addresses both the men and the women, the husbands and the wives. And speaking to men, because men were the head of the households, Peter writes this, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. There you go, husbands. <laughs> Could it be that your prayers may not pass the ceiling because there is some form of marital conflict going on that has not been dealt with? Pastor Dennis Milling again. Wrong attitudes between husband and wife can hinder their prayers. Emotional, physical, or sexual abuse is very destructive to a marriage and one's relationship with God. If we do these things, our prayers will be hindered. The last hindrance we're going to mention today is doubt. Have you ever prayed and then you're like, uh, well, it may happen or may not happen. Sometimes we doubt our prayers. We pray without faith and we claim that we ask God's, we, we, we claim that God's will be done. And if nothing happens, guess what? Who do you think we blame for? God. It wasn't His will, right? Don't we say that? We say it wasn't His will. When in reality we had doubt that God can answer that prayer. There's no question about it that doubt will hinder our prayers from being answered. All the miracles that Jesus did, He did in the faith of the one being healed or being addressed. You got to have faith. Faith in God's promises through prayer brings us the victory, not doubt. Now, how can our answers be? How can our prayers be answered? And you may say, Pastor Marius, obviously, you got it on the screen. Our prayers are not hindered when we pray with faith and don't doubt. When we are in good terms with our spouse, our children, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors. Our prayers are not hindered when we help them generously and when we let go of our idols of the heart, selfish motives, and known sins. That's when our prayers are answered. Now, the top three on that list right there, known sin, idols of the heart, the selfish motives, are things we want to consider seriously when we need to have our prayers answered. The way Jesus recommends is by fasting and prayer, certainly when we face, when, when, we, when, we, when we have something that we face that is very challenging. Uh, there is a, a story in the life of Jesus and his disciples in Mark 9. His disciples... Uh, find, found themselves in an embarrassing situation when they could not heal a demon-possessed child. And the father brought the child to Jesus 
And when Jesus healed the child, his disciples asked Jesus, how come we couldn't do what you just did? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Jesus' response implies two things. Number one, he was, able to, he was able to do it because he fasted and prayed. And number two, what Jesus is saying is that there are challenges. There are things we face that are so big, so spiritually evil, that we need not only to pray, but fast and pray. In the Bible, we find fasting connected with special times of prayer. Whenever God's people faced special problems, they approached Him through prayer, and fasting is always involved. We see that over and over again in, in both Old Testament and New Testament. This was also the experience of the disciples of the early church the 10 days before the Pentecost, before they received the Holy Spirit. And I found this quote in an old publication of Signs of Times, January 20, 1898. Here is what it said about the disciples right before they received the Holy Spirit. They remained in Jerusalem fasting and praying. They emptied from their hearts all bitterness, all estrangement, all differences. For this would have presented their, prevented their prayers being as one. And when they were emptied of self, what happened? Christ filled the vacancy. The Holy Spirit came upon them and filled all the house where they were sitting. So, fasting is very important before receiving the Holy Spirit and as we face extremely difficult situation. I want to say this. Today, these days, we live in unprecedented times. The challenges we face are greater than a simple prayer can do. We need to fast and pray. Fasting means abstaining from food. But like in the story of Daniel, it means abstaining from anything that gives us pleasure or anything that would distract our connection with our Heavenly Father, with God. So in this category, we can include music, News, or bad news, favorite TV shows, movies, social media, anything that could distract us. And obviously food, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, processed foods or meats. These things make us feel good, but they can also limit our prefrontal cortex to work at its maximum capacity. It is there that we make our choices, our decisions, our reasoning. If our prefrontal cortex is fogged up, but what we put in, we won't make good choices. We won't have healthy reasoning. And when we 
fast from all those things, we learn humility, we learn self-denial, and we learn self-sacrifice. Fasting also gives us a clear understanding of God's word and his will. So, would you like to have your prayers unhindered? Ask for the Holy Spirit to show you the things that are hindering your prayers. Surrender those things to the cross and ask God to fill you with his spirit. I want you to know that when you take this matter seriously and you find yourself with some of these hindrances, the church is here for you to help you deal with them. Please reach out to me or to, our, to, to one of your uh, uh, group elders if you need to talk to receive encouragement and pastoral care. We want to offer pastoral care to all who reach out for help. May God bless all our prayers to be answered. Amen.